come together. Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Yo, what's going on? It's Hartzell. Yeah, I'm involved in a cold open, so it must be one of those shows. Yeah, it is. It is one of those shows. It's January 6, 2022, which means that we are now exactly one year since an attempted coup on our capital, an actual insurrection. That's wild to me. And I know that you all have way more important things to do. You got to figure out how you're going to pay rent this month. You got to go to the store. You got to figure out how you can get the kids to practice. And by the way, is there even a practice because we're living in a global pandemic? I get that. But there are times I think that we have to take a step back, especially when it when it affects all of our stories. You know, I think there's times when you got to take a step back and reflect on that. And if we can't reflect after an attempt coup then i mean (laughs) we got a lot of work to do i was listening back to the audio that we did last year we're broadcasting on the six you could tell i had a quiver in my voice i was shaking a little bit and i'll be honest it wasn't because of the takes that were being made at the time remember when everyone was saying that if these were black writers it would have been a whole different story and by the way that is true but i was furious about something else for me it was like somebody stole something from us right you know that feeling you get when you go out and you find that your car got broken into and it may not even be that they stole anything but they got in there and it just feels like you've been infringed and violated and it ain't right and that's what they did they were trying to steal our voice our our vote that we did on election day and i still can't get over that and i hope you also can't get over that so here's what we're going to do today and i know we may not have the most streams on this one (laughs) I get that, but I think it's important. So we're going to revisit our conversation we had last year with Mayor Quentin Lucas. Mayor Q and I chatted the day after January 6th, and I said, Mr. Mayor, we ain't been here before. Can you help us sort through some of this? So that's what we're going to do today, hit and play on that audio, and we're going to follow that up with the Capitol Rotunda anniversary speech of Insurrection Day from Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden. Again, I get it. We may not have as many streams today, but I think it's important because you're important. And at the end of the day, this whole American experience, I guess American experiment is a story of us. And I think that plays no matter what city you come from, from the KC Morning Show to the DC Morning Drive, the Cleveland Morning Zoo, Tonga Knox, he's probably got something. I think that is evergreen content. So up next, Mary Q, even on our most trying of days, I truly believe it's a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. We got each other. We lean on and lean into Kansas City. My name's Hartzell. We will see you in the morning. Everything's running smoothly. Yo, 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 yo. My name's Hartzell. This right here. This is your KC Morning Show. What's the word, y'all? How we doing? What a loaded question that was. Well, hey, usually we take Thursdays off, but usually we don't have an insurrection the day before. So to help us sort through, reconcile, reckon with, I guess just to help us figure some of this out, Mayor Quentin Lucas, back on your KC Morning Show. We're going to talk about January 6th. January 6th, 2021, the, uh, the congressional coup attempted congressional coup. Doesn't make it less of a coup just because it failed, but I'm very much looking forward to you hearing what Mayor Q has to say. I think this was um, a very important conversation to have this morning. So, back in your feeds tomorrow, KC Morning Show. Thank you, as always, sir, for being here. I wish we were doing this under better circumstances. We usually always have a good time, Mr. Mayor, but um, yeah, let's just dig in. January 6, 2021. That's a day we're going to remember forever. You are both a mayor 
and an American. You're watching all these events unfold in real time. I mean, the insurrection will be televised. What is your reaction, your thoughts as you're seeing all this take place in in our nation's capital? Uh, you know, it had to be one of the the most surprising but least surprising things ever. And what I mean by that is we have all heard the rhetoric and the fanning of the flames for years now. Mexicans are rapists. Um, you know, we need to build the wall. The cities are burning. Your Democrat-run cities, they're trying to kill you. It's a threat to every. All of those things, fake news, stop the steal. What we saw was in some ways one of the least surprising things ever. If you pour kerosene over everything, then you know what? That match is going to be found. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. I am disappointed more than I was before, and I was disappointed before in our president. I'm almost ashamed to say he's our president because this looked like the the, the thing of a tin pot dictator. Uh, I'm disappointed in my senator, Josh Hawley. I'm disappointed in Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. Um, a whole bunch of people that knew better. You know, when we were when we're all growing up, right? You know, when you're really in trouble, when your mom's like. Yeah, yeah, your friend, you know, he ain't that smart, so he doesn't know better, but you do. And when I think of people like my Senator Josh Hawley, who knows the Constitution and decided to ignore it yesterday, when I think about the people that that wanted to play along with this charade that ended up deadly, uh, I have nothing but the greatest disappointment. And if I can ramble a minute longer, I know there are a lot of people, a lot of people who were out in the streets this summer who had concerns about very real issues, concerns about the fact that there are black individuals around our country who have gotten shot and shouldn't have, that there's a boy, Tamir Rice, who was killed years ago playing in a park, and the Justice Department just the other day said no charges will be filed. This is what people were in the streets about this summer, and they got tear gas, and they got mace, and they got beaten back, and they got bloodied in almost every major city in this country. And to see a bunch of protesters yesterday, almost exclusively white, except for one brother I saw in a picture somewhere, but who were able to basically walk into the United States Capitol building, what I formerly thought was one of the most secure institutions in our country. And I've been a whole lot of times. Um, it was astonishing. It was disappointing. And I think it will be what we remember the Trump era for, um, to our detriment. So, Mr. Mayor, I guess, what do we do? I mean, realistically, you know, I pulled out my, my, my pocket constitution. We heard a lot of chatter about the 25th Amendment, hearing a lot of chatter about impeachment again but realistically where do we go from here as we try to sort all this out the surrealness of it all the the un-americanness of it all you know i think step one we start on how we can protect our country um i, I agree with congresswoman sharice davids of northeast kansas that this president is a threat to our country even over the next two weeks i think she's called either for impeachment or invocation of the 25th amendment which would allow the vice president to take over during the uh, final few weeks of this administration nobody's trying to transfer power to the democrats early but we're trying to say this man has proven himself uh, to be reckless. I think the next step we need to do is make sure we never, ever, ever tolerate this again. You know, a few years back, I unfollowed Donald Trump on Twitter because I think during the 2016 election, I laughed too. Too many of us did. Too many of us said, well, he is a dang fool, but it was humorous. Or, you know, there being these fights and he's coming up with nicknames, Lion Ted and Little Marco and right, all that stuff. But it became sinister. It became heinous. And it has consumed this country in a way that we need to make sure we never let a leader 
ever get close to doing again. But I'm just, uh, you, you know, the thing is, and I'm not the oldest man, but, you know, I remember the 2000 election, Bush Gore was real close. And I remember I, I wanted Al Gore to win, right? I'm a Democrat. And I remember at the end of that election, Al Gore gives a concession. It's a decent one. We have a normal inauguration. Uh, I can't imagine what a 16-year-old today is thinking about all this. Well, that you pick a fight, that you shout like it, like you talk that way. This is having a terrible effect on our country, and uh, we should be ashamed of it. I mean, we're pulling out stats now, Mr. Mayor, from you know from the War of 1812. You know that that is where we are now. Just like you, I'm a student of history, and I'm someone that you know what? When I look at those old documents, I look and see what's that state that's after their name. Like who was such and such of the great state mm-hmm. of whatever? Senator Joss Hawley on the Missouri side, Senator Roger Marshall on the Kansas mm-hmm. side, who signed on to sedition. How do you work with that? Like how do you go? across the aisle as a mayor, as an elected official? How do you restore the soul of somebody who ain't trying to be restored? I, 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 I don't even know how you put an analogy to it. So I'm going to let you just answer the question because it's so unbelievable that we're here. It, it is unbelievable. You know, people talk about cancel culture. Donald Trump needs to be canceled. He needs to be canceled. He needs to be forgotten. We need to not amplify his messages. We need to just be done with all that he is expressing to the world now. This is not America. It is fundamentally anti-American. It's fundamentally tragic. And uh, I think so that's what we do with him, with our senators, uh, who have taken these steps and a number of the Congress people around, at least Missouri and Kansas out state. Um, we need to deal with them, too. We need to, and by the way, when I say deal with them, I'm not saying crazy Trump way. I say we need to let them know that we're disappointed and that which they had to say. We need to make sure that uh, we share that this is important to us, that this is something that is distressing to us, and that we will never forget it. That's what I think is vital for us, because what we cannot do and what we cannot say is simply, oh, all right, well, you know, it was just a question. No, people were, people were playing games with our democracy. People were trying to destabilize our republic, destabilize our trust in our republic. And it's the sort of thing that we absolutely should never forget. As a mayor of a major city, just a mayor, as, as mayor of any city, everything you saw yesterday has to be what keeps you up at night. Like, are we ready for something like this here in town? God forbid something like this ever happens, not just here, but ever again in this country. Hopefully never again. I think you saw the greatest challenge, which is someone leading this level of insurrection. Someone who has the power and instead of taking us away from the abyss, tried to drive us right into it. And that's Donald Trump. So I don't have that fear in Kansas City unless Donald Trump keeps having these rallies and keeps bringing these things together. And, you know, you were around here then. Remember four years ago when Donald Trump was having the rallies all around the country and we had one here in Kansas City, too, and there'd be all this violence and there'd be all of this drama. And, you know, the Trump folks try to say, oh, it's because of the anti-protesters. No, this is the type of division. This is the type of craziness that they wanted and they got it. And we're the worst for it. There's been a lot of think pieces post the events of yesterday, but I haven't seen this one yet. What do you say to not just the young people of this community, but just anyone right now who's looking at the screen on their phone and says, you know what, this is enough. It's our turn. It's my turn. Maybe it's time for me to get off the damn sidelines and go actively try to help make this place the best it can be. Go actively go change the world. And maybe not political as in, please vote for me, but that person who wants to be a community organizer, who wants to help try to do some tangible good in his or her community. What do you say to them? Organize, 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 organize. And don't forget uh, the real way that you address a lot of the officials here from Missouri and here from Kansas is organizing, 
making it a part of that next election and making a change and a difference. That's what you do. And um, that's the only way we, we're going to change some of this. They cannot feel like they can get away with these sorts of things with impunity. We need to make sure people are held accountable at the, at the ballot box. Look to Stacey Abrams in Georgia. It's going to take time. There are going to be defeats along the way. But yes, we can. Mayor Quentin Lucas, go ahead and just reassure me on this one, Mr. Mayor. Is it a good day to be a Kansas Cityan? Still a good day. It's always a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. We just to make sure need to make sure our voices are heard, so everybody knows that to be a Kansas Cityan is to believe in our democracy, is to believe in our future, and to believe in decency. That's what the people of Kansas City, that's what people of Missouri are about. Despite what some of our elected officials might have said yesterday in Washington, it's a great day to be one of us, and we'll keep making a difference. Mayor Quentin Lucas, thank you, sir. Thank you. Fellow Americans, good morning. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. On that day, I was not only vice president-elect, I was also a United States senator. And I was here at the Capitol that morning at a classified hearing with fellow members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Hours later, the gates of the Capitol were breached. I had left, but my thoughts immediately turned not only to my colleagues, but to my staff, who had been forced to seek refuge in our office, converting filing cabinets into barricades. What the extremists who roamed these halls targeted was not only the lives of elected leaders. What they sought to degrade and destroy was not only a building, hallowed as it is. What they were assaulting were the institutions, the values, the ideals that generations of Americans have marched, picketed, and shed blood to establish and defend. On January 6th, we all saw what our nation would look like if the forces who seek to dismantle our democracy are successful. The lawlessness, the violence, the chaos, what was at stake then and now is the right to have our future decided the way the Constitution prescribes it by we, the people, all the people. We cannot let our future be decided by those bent on silencing our voices, overturning our votes, and peddling lies and misinformation by some radical faction 
that may be newly resurgent, but whose roots run old and deep. When I meet with young people, they often ask about the state of our democracy, about January 6th. And what I tell them is January 6th reflects the dual nature of democracy, its fragility and its strength. You see, the strength of democracy is the rule of law. The strength of democracy is the principle that everyone should be treated equally, that elections should be free and fair, that corruption should be given no quarter. The strength of democracy is that it empowers the people. And the fragility of democracy is this, that if we are not vigilant, if we do not defend it, democracy simply will not stand. It will falter and fail. The violent assault that took place here, the very fact of how close we came to an election overturned, that reflects the fragility of democracy. Yet, the resolve I saw in our elected leaders when I returned to the Senate chamber that night, their resolve not to yield, but to certify the election, their loyalty not to party or person, but to the Constitution of the United States, that reflects its strength. And so, of course, does the heroism of the Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, the National Guard, and other law enforcement officers who answered the call that day, including those who later succumbed to wounds, both visible and invisible. Our thoughts are with all of the families who have lost a loved one. You know, I wonder... How will January 6th come to be remembered in the years ahead? Will it be remembered as a moment that accelerated the unraveling of the oldest, greatest democracy in the world? Or a moment when we decided to secure and strengthen our democracy for generations to come? The American spirit is being tested. The answer to whether we will meet that test resides where it always has resided in our country, with you, the people. And the work ahead will not be easy. Here in this very building, a decision will be made about whether we uphold the right to vote and ensure free and fair elections. Let's be clear, we must pass voting rights bills that are now before the Senate. And the American people must also do something more. We cannot sit on the sidelines. We must unite in defense of our democracy in order to form a more perfect union.
establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our prosperity and posterity. That is the preamble of the Constitution that President Biden and I swore an oath to uphold and defend. And that is the enduring promise of the United States of America. My fellow Americans, it is my honor to introduce a public servant with the character and fortitude to meet this moment, a leader whose life's work has been moving our nation toward that more perfect union, President Joe Biden. Madam Vice President, my fellow Americans, state the obvious. One year ago today, in this sacred place, democracy was attacked, <clears throat> simply attacked. The will of the people was under assault. The Constitution, our Constitution, faced the gravest of threats. Outnumbered in the face of a brutal attack, the Capitol Police, the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, the National Guard, and other brave law enforcement officials saved the rule of law. Our democracy held. We, the people, endured. We, the people, prevailed. For the first time in our history, a president had not just lost an election, he tried to prevent the peaceful transfer of power as a violent mob breached the Capitol. But they failed. They failed. And on this day of remembrance, we must make sure that such attack never, never happens again. I'm speaking to you today from Statuary Hall in the United States Capitol. This is where the House of Representatives met for 50 years in the decades leading up to the Civil War. This is on this floor where young Congressman of Illinois, Abraham Lincoln, sat at desk 191. Above him, above us, over that door leading into the rotunda, is a sculpture depicting Cleo, the muse of history. In her hands, an open book in which she records the events taking place in this chamber below. Cleo stood watch over this hall one year ago today, as she has for more than 200 years. She recorded what took place, the real history, the real facts, the real truth, the facts and the truth that Vice President Harris just shared, and that you and I and the whole world saw with our own eyes. The Bible tells us that we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. We shall know the truth. Well, here is the God's truth about January 6, 2021. Close your eyes. Go back to that day. What do you see? Rioters rampaging, waving for the first time inside this Capitol. 
Confederate flag that symbolized the cause to destroy America, to rip us apart. Even during the Civil War, that never, ever happened. But it happened here in 2021. <clears throat> what else do you see? A mob breaking windows, kicking in doors, breaching the Capitol. American flags on poles being used as weapons, as spears. Fire stingers being thrown at the heads of police officers. A crowd that professes their love for law enforcement assaulted those police officers, dragged them, sprayed them, stomped on them. Over 140 police officers were injured. We all heard the police officers who were there that day testify to what happened. One officer called it, quote, a mid medieval battle, and that he was more afraid that day than he was fighting the war in Iraq. They've repeatedly asked since that day, how dare anyone, anyone, diminish, belittle, or deny the hell they were put through? We saw with our own eyes. Rioters menaced these halls, threatening the life of the Speaker of the House, literally erecting gallows to hang the Vice President of the United States of America. What did we not see? We didn't see a former president who had just rallied the mob to attack, sitting in the private dining room off the Oval Office in the White House, watching it all on television and doing nothing for hours as police were assaulted, lives at risk, the nation's capital under siege. This wasn't a group of tourists. This was an armed insurrection. They weren't looking to uphold the will of the people. They were looking to deny the will of the people. They were looking to uphold. They weren't looking to uphold a free and fair election. They were looking to overturn one. They were looking to save the cause of America. They were looking to subvert the Constitution. This isn't about being bogged down in the past. This is about making sure the past isn't buried. That's the only way forward. That's what great nations do. They don't bury the truth. They face up to it. Sounds like hyperbole, but that's the truth. They face up to it. We are a great nation. My fellow Americans, in life there's truth, and tragically there are lies. Lies conceived and spread for profit and power. We must be absolutely clear about what is true and what is a lie. And here's the truth. The former president of the United States of America has created and spread a web of lies about the 2020 election. He's done so because he values power over principle, because he sees his own interest is more important than his country's interest, than America's interest. And because his bruised ego matters more to him than our democracy or our Constitution, he can't accept he lost, even though that's what 93 United States senators, his own attorney general, his own vice president, 
governors and state officials in every battleground state have all said he lost. That's what 81 million of you did as you voted for a new way forward. He has done what no president in American history, the history of this country has ever, ever done. He refused to accept the results of an election and the will of the American people. Well, some courageous men and women in the Republican Party are standing against it, trying to uphold the principle of that party. Too many others are transforming that party into something else. They seem no longer to want to be the party, the party of Lincoln, Eisenhower, Reagan, the Bushes. But whatever my other disagreements are with Republicans who support the rule of law and not the rule of a single man, I will always seek to work together with them to find shared solutions where possible. Because if we have a shared belief in democracy, then anything is possible. Anything. And so at this moment, we must decide what kind of nation are we going to be? Are we going to be a nation that accepts political violence as a norm? Are we going to be a nation where we allow partisan election officials to overturn the legally expressed will of the people? Are we going to be a nation that lives not by the light of the truth, but in the shadow of lies? We cannot allow ourselves to be that kind of nation. The way forward is to recognize the truth and to live by it. The big lie being told by the former president and many Republicans who fear his wrath is that the insurrection in this country actually took place on Election Day, November 3rd, 2020. Think about that. Is that what you thought? Is that what you thought when you voted that day? taking part in an insurrection? Is that what you thought you were doing? Or did you think you were carrying out your highest duty as a citizen and voting? The former presidential supporters are trying to rewrite history. They want you to see Election Day as the day of insurrection. And the riot that took place here on January 6th as a true expression of the will of the people. Can you think of a more twisted way to look at this country, to look at America? I cannot. Here's the truth. The election of 2020 was the greatest demonstration of democracy in the history of this country. More of you voted in that election than have ever voted in all of American history. Over 150 million Americans went to the polls and voted that day. In a pandemic, some at great, great risk to their lives. They should be applauded, not attacked. Right now, in state after state, new laws are being written, not to protect the vote, but to deny it. Not only to suppress the vote, but to subvert it. Not to strengthen or protect our democracy, but because the former president lost, Instead of looking at the election results from 2020 and saying they need new ideas or better ideas to win more votes, the former president and his supporters have decided the only way for them to win is to suppress your vote and subvert our elections.
It's wrong. It's undemocratic. And frankly, it's un-American. The second big lie being told by the former president's supporters is that the results of the election of 2020 can't be trusted. The truth is that no election, no election in American history has been more closely scrutinized or more carefully counted. Every legal challenge questioning the results in every court in this country that could have been made, was made, and was rejected, often rejected by Republican-appointed judges, including judges appointed by the former president himself, from state courts to the United States Supreme Court. Recounts were undertaken in state after state. Georgia, Georgia, counted its results three times with one recount by hand. Phony partisan audits were undertaken long after the election in several states. None changed the results. And in some of them, the irony is the margin of victory actually grew slightly. So let's speak plainly about what happened in 2020. Even before the first ballot was cast, the former president was preemptively sowing doubt about the election results. <clears throat> He built his lie over months. Wasn't based on any facts. He was just looking for an excuse, a pretext, to cover for the truth. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes in a full and free and fair election. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. In fact, in every venue where evidence had to be produced, an oath to tell the truth had to be taken, the former president failed to make his case. Just think about this. The former president and his supporters have never been able to explain how they accept as accurate the other election results that took place on November 3rd. Elections for governor, United States Senate, House of Representatives. Elections which they closed the gap in the House. They challenged none of that. President's name was first. Then we went down the line. Governors, senators, House of Representatives. Somehow those results are accurate on the same ballot. But the presidential race was flawed. And on the same ballot, the same day, cast by the same voters, the only difference, the former president didn't lose those races. He just lost the one that was his own. Finally, the third big lie being told by a former president and supporters is that the mob who sought to impose their will through violence are the nation's true patriots. Is that what you thought when you looked at the mob ransacking the Capitol, destroying property, literally defecating in the hallways, rifling through the desks of senators and representatives, hunting down members of Congress? Patriots? Not in my view. 
To me, the true patriots were the more than 150 Americans who peacefully expressed their vote at the ballot box. The election workers who protected the integrity of the vote and the heroes who defended this capital. You can't love your country only when you win. You can't obey the law only when it's convenient. You can't be patriotic when you embrace and enable lies. Those who stormed this Capitol, and those who instigated and incited, and those who called on them to do so, held a dagger at the throat of America and American democracy. They didn't come here out of patriotism or principle. They came here in rage, not in service of America, but rather in service of one man. Those who incited the mob, the real plotters who were desperate to deny the certification of this election and defy the will of the voters. But their plot was foiled. Congressmen, Democrats, and Republicans stayed. Senators, representatives, staff, they finished their work the Constitution demanded. They honored their oath to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Look, folks, <clears throat> now it's up to all of us, to we the people, to stand for the rule of law, to preserve the flame of democracy to keep the promise of America alive. The promise is at risk, targeted by the forces that value brute strength over the sanctity of democracy, fear over hope, personal gain over public good. Make no mistake about it, we're living at an inflection point in history, both at home and abroad. We're engaged anew in a struggle between democracy and autocracy, between the aspirations of the many <clears throat> and the greed of the few, between the people's right of self-determination and self-seeking autocrat. From China to Russia and beyond, they're betting that democracy's days are numbered. They've actually told me democracy is too slow too bogged down by division to succeed in today's rapidly changing, complicated world. And they're betting. They're betting America will become more like them and less like us. They're betting in America is a place for the autocrat, the dictator, the strongman. I do not believe that. That is not who we are. That is not who we have ever been. And that is not who we should ever, ever be. Our founding fathers, as imperfect as they were, set in motion an experiment that changed the world, literally changed the world. Here in America, the people would rule. Power would be transferred peacefully, never at the tip of a spear or the barrel of a gun. They committed paper an idea that couldn't live up to, they couldn't live up to, but an idea that couldn't be constrained. Yes, in America, all people are created equal. We reject the view that if you, if you succeed, I fail. 
If you get ahead, I fall behind. If I hold you down, I somehow lift myself up. The former president who lies about this election and the mob that attacked this Capitol could not be further away from the core American values. They want to rule or they will ruin. Ruin what our country fought for at Lexington and Concord, at Gettysburg and Omaha Beach, Seneca Falls, Selma, Alabama. What and what we were fighting for? The right to vote, the right to govern ourselves, the right to determine our own destiny. With rights come responsibilities. The responsibility to see each other as neighbors. Maybe we disagree with that neighbor, but they're not an adversary. Responsibility to accept defeat. Then get back in the arena and try again the next time to make your case. Responsibility to see that America is an idea. An idea requires vigilant stewardship. <clears throat> as we stand here today, one year since January 6, 2021, the lies that drove the anger and madness we saw in this place, they have not abated. So we have to be firm, resolute, and unyielding in our defense of the right to vote and to have that vote counted. Some have already made the ultimate sacrifice in this sacred effort. Jill and I have mourned police officers in this Capitol Rotunda not once but twice in the wake of January 6th. Once to honor Officer Brian Sicknick, who lost his life the day after the attack. And a second time to honor Officer Billy Evans, who lost his life defending this Capitol as well. We think about the others who lost their lives and were injured, and everyone living with the trauma of that day, from those defending this Capitol, to members of Congress in both parties and their staffs, to reporters, cafeteria workers, custodial workers, and their families. <clears throat> Don't kid yourself. The pain and scars from that day run deep. I've said it many times, and it's no more true or real than we think about the events of January 6th. We are in a battle for the soul of America. A battle that by the grace of God and the goodness and gracious and greatness of this nation, we will win. Believe me, I know how difficult democracy is. And I'm crystal clear about the threats America faces. But I also know that our darkest days can lead to light and hope. From the death and destruction, as the Vice President referenced in Pearl Harbor, came the triumph over the forces of fascism. From the brutality of Bloody Sunday on the Edmund Pettus Bridge came historic voting rights legislation. So now let's step up, write the next chapter in American history, where January 6th marks not the end of democracy, but the beginning of a renaissance of liberty and fair play. 
I did not seek this fight brought to this Capitol one year ago today. But I will not shrink from it either. I will stand in this breach. I will defend this nation. And I will allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy. We will make sure the will of the people is heard, that the ballot prevails, not violence, that authority in this nation will always be peacefully transferred. I believe the power of the presidency and the purpose is to unite this nation, not divide it, to lift us up, not tear us apart. See, about us, about us, not about me. Deep in the heart of America burns a flame, lit almost 250 years ago, of liberty, freedom, and equality. This is not a land of kings or dictators or autocrats. We're a nation of laws, of order, not chaos, of peace, not violence. Here in America, the people rule through the ballot, and their will prevails. So let us remember, together, we're one nation under God indivisible, that today, tomorrow, and forever at our best, we are the United States of America. God bless you all. May God protect our troops. And my God bless those who stand watch over our democracy.
used to say, soon and very soon, we are gonna see the king. Soon and very soon, we are gonna see the king.